Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, man. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Show. I'm your host, Tim Holloway, and I am glad to be back at you again. Look, if you stumbled on the show and you're a Christian man in recovery who wants to live an awesome, spirit-filled life, uh, this show is definitely for you, so I'm glad that you found it. Uh, So we're going to jump into the recovery quote of the day, and it goes like this. Never do for others what they can and should do for themselves. I'm going to say that again because it's so powerful. You should never do for others what they can and should do for themselves. Now, here's what we have. And uh, we have personalities out there who uh, they're just so filled with love, right? They just care so much and they're just so extremely empathetic and they put themselves in other people's shoes and and they fall into the identity of a rescuer and a savior and you can ask me how i know this because i have one of those personalities and we think that we're doing something good we think that we're walking and love, and we think that we're actually benefiting the other person in some way or fashion. But the reality is, is that it's a form of codependency. And that is, for us to feel good about ourselves, we have to play the role of the Savior. And therefore, it makes us feel good. It feeds our uh, pride. It feeds our ego. It makes us think well of ourselves uh, by helping other people. But the reality is, is this is that this quote is so powerful that we shouldn't do for others what they can and should do for themselves. And when we do, um, a lot of detrimental and a lot of dysfunction begins to happen. And think about it this way, that uh, if you're paying bills for an addict, you are stepping in and you are enabling them um, to continue in their state and condition and you are actually participating in their dysfunction. Because the reality is, the addict should pay for their own bills. And we do this in so many ways and fashion, and we don't really recognize the harm and the detriment that we are really causing. So my challenge today is to look at that. Look at yourself. Are you doing for others what they can and should do for themselves? Are you practicing this this enabling uh, behavior that causes people to, to stay crippled? Now, I had a, a very positive experience when I was young and helping the homeless and, and um, you know, providing meals and stuff like that. And I had this one situation where I, I provided a homeless man some socks and he begged me to take them back and to give him the money because he didn't need socks. He needed the money. And his feet were all just like all nasty. And that's what drew my compassion. I'm like, you know, you got to take care of your take care of your feet. Right. But the reality is, is that I cared more about his feet than he did. And that is his feet were in that state and condition because he had allowed his feet to be in that state and condition. And so me coming on the scene and having uh, cared about his feet more than him didn't really help the situation. And so we do this in so many different ways and we want to care uh, for people. We want to love people. Uh, But the reality is, is that when we care and we love more than they do, then it's going to lead to a lot of frustration and a lot of disappointment. 
the best thing that we can do is to get to begin or begin to help them care about their feet, uh, equip them with the talent, skills, and resources to care for their feet. Now, this is just an analogy, but you get what I'm saying. And that is when they begin to have a desire to care for their feet, then they'll begin to manifest the behaviors um, uh, will follow. Um, but us stepping in and being the savior and the rescue uh, rescuer hardly does any good. Moving on to the recovery question of the day. My wife continues to use after multiple relapses, what should I do? Uh, this is a very personal question, and um, and I can see the pain involved in this question. Um, I want to talk to you about something very important, and that is track record. Um, what we know about people is their track record. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, people can't um, change and turn over a new leaf and start a, a, a new life. But then again, that would just change and transform their track record. So the reality is, is that people usually do what they have currently been doing. And you can thoroughly expect for people to do the same. Now, unless they change their life and develop a different track record, one of reliability, one of change, then, then they would communicate to you something different. But the reality is, is that people do what they have uh, currently been doing. And so um, your wife, who continually uh, relapses, um, probably continually going into treatment uh, programs, um, that is what she's going to continue to do. Now, unless you begin to change your mindset and begin to behave in a different manner, you're going to go ahead and get the same results that you have been getting. And so you may have been put your foot down. You may have said, you know what, I'm not going to tolerate this. And she, um, the boundary line has been crossed repeatedly. And so your, um, your endeavors and your boundaries are not being met. And so the reality is, is that that's what's going to continue. And so only tough love is going to really change the situation. If you listen to the first part of this episode where I talked about don't do for others what they can and should do for themselves... Uh, this situation plays in here because you probably love your wife and you want her to uh, be healthy and all these different things. Um, but the reality is, is that you are part of the problem. And that is that you have enabled the situation and you have caused and allowed the situation to take place. And we do this under the guise of love. Well, I just love her uh, so much. Well, you're loving her to death. And that is that the situation that you're in is not going to get any better until you remove yourself from the situation. And that is that you are no longer part of her equation. And that's important for um, to hit bottom. You know, as long as there is an enabler, as long as there is somebody to cushion my fall, as long as there's somebody to, to be there to, to love me, right? They're going to go ahead and continue the same behaviors that they have been doing. And so this takes a lot of uh, guts. It takes a lot of umption. Um, but you need to remove yourself from the equation. And that is if you're getting her out of the house and uh, even you can help her move, move right into uh, some bedroom somewhere, some apartment, whatever. Um, but the situation has to change uh, because you are going to love her to death. 
and you need to put your foot down in a very strong manner this time and show that you mean business and stop being that uh, the weak man. God wants you to rise up and to be strong. All right, we're moving into our topic of the day. We're in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction and to perceive the words of understanding. So now we are in the no instruction part. And if you listen to the last episode, you know that I'm talking about to being open to correction and how much it is needed inside of our lives. The reality is, is that we have been... We have succumbed to addiction repeatedly, and we have relied upon that. And uh, a lot of areas of our na- our life need course correction. And that is that, uh, you know, in our family, faith, fitness, and our finances, that we often go off the course, and we need to be course corrected. And so God taking that role inside of our life as an insertive father is uh, super important. So we're talking about enduring that kind of discipline and taking it patiently and telling yourself, you know what, I must be willing to undergo this process if I want to stay on the path. And because we are stubborn, because we have self-will, because of all these different things, we have a tendency to wander. And that is, if we want to make it to our destination, uh, we're going to have to accept course correction along this path. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to need to be corrected. And so being open to that is uh, really important. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8 says this, But if you are without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. Woo! Now that's some deep stuff there. And what he's saying is there, if you're if you are without chastisement, and that is that if you remove yourself from accountability, if you remove yourself from correction and the uh, conviction of God, that you place yourself outside, and that gets the identity of a bastard and not a son. And so, understanding this, that um, we the life without boundaries is what we used to have. We used to have a life without boundaries, and that is whatever we want, think, or feel, we did, right? A thought and a pleasure came up, and we acted upon it, and we are very uh, impulsive, and we acted upon our sinful natures and all of those things. But what it was was a life without boundaries. And if you're familiar with the prodigal son story, how the father had two sons, and the one son before the father died said, can I get my inheritance early? And his father gave in to his request, and he went off and he went away from his father with the, all the money that he had, and he began to live it up. He began to uh, prostitution, alcohol, all of these different things uh, that took place in his, inside of his life. And so what he wanted was a life without boundaries, and that is the full manifestation of our addiction. We want to live it up. We want to party. We want pleasure. And we want to, our, our selfish ways uh, fulfilled. And so he goes out, you know the story, he goes out and begins to live it up and waste all of his father's substance and all this crazy wild living. And it comes to the point where he's broke. He's destitute, he's busted, right? And he takes a job uh, feeding the pigs, which was unheard of for Jewish men to do. Like, we don't, uh, we don't touch pigs, we don't associate. And then he even digs himself further into the pit with saying, you know what, I think I want to eat the slop that the pigs are eating. 
And so this is a, a true story of the depths that addiction takes us. Now, it takes us, uh, you know, in different areas of our life, family, faith, fitness, and finance, but whatever it is in the different areas, um, it takes us to the pig pain. It takes us to desiring to eat slop. And that is something uh, uh, very nasty, right? And so that's what uh, addiction takes us to. So he comes to his senses, you know, inside of the state and condition, hitting bottom, you know, in that area and just uh, being disgusted, if you will. And he begins to think to himself, you know, my hired servants at my father's house have it better than this. I'm going to go return to my father. And so as we know, as the story goes, that the father sees him afar off and he runs to him and he, and he, he embraces him and he kisses him and he hugs him uh, and puts a robe on him uh, and puts a ring on his finger. And the son gets restored back into the family. Now, this is very symbolic of us coming to our senses. And that is us getting a clue that this life of pleasure leads to destitution. Uh, it leads to falling short. It leads to uh, mediocre. It, me it leads to the bottom. And once we begin to come to our senses and return to our Father, He is there waiting for us uh, in open arms and to welcome us and to accept us and love us and put the robe back on us and to put a ring on our finger. And what that means is that our position that we have forsaken has been restored and that we now have authority once again. And that is just a powerful example of uh, what begins to take place inside of our lives. And so when he was gone from his father, he lived like a bastard. He basically lived uh, fatherlessness. And he lived to his own pleasure in his own ways. Uh, very symbolic of what takes place with addiction. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Furthermore, we have had fathers... Uh, of our flesh who had corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall not we rather be subjection into the father of spirits and live? So what's going on here is, is the writer is talking about uh, natural fathers and how they course correct us and they provide discipline. And he gives that analogy, shall not God do much more? And so we have respect to our fathers who have disciplined us and have corrected us. And, and maybe you have been fortunate to have a wonderful father. So you have a great model, an example of what God might be. Uh, for some of us, we, we don't really have that example and we have to really rely on God to provide all of those uh, things for us. But we have reverence and have respect for our natural fathers who have corrected us. And he says much more. Should we not uh, be open to the discipline and the correction of God so we can uh, uh, be subject, uh, subjection unto him and live? So this word subjection, man, that's a, that's a hard word and a hard uh, uh, under, for us to understand. But it simply means to yield to the process. And that, that God has his ways and his mindset and his belief systems. And he has a way of doing things. And that is that we as his children are going to be subject unto that. Is that we are going to submit to the process. God knows the, the path that leads to life. He knows the way in which we should walk. 
and being submissive to that path is, is what is going to get us results. It is what is going to get us into that flow state, if you will, of, of things beginning to work inside of our marriages, things beginning to work inside of our body, things begin to work inside of our family unit, and things beginning to work inside of our business affairs and our finances. And that is yielding to God in each area of our life. Mm. That is powerful, powerful stuff. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says this, For they, uh, for a few days, uh, discipline us after their own pleasure. Now this, he's talking about a natural father again, that they will provide discipline for us for a few days uh, for their own pleasure, right? Um, but he, speaking of God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness, and so the reality is, is that the discipline that God provides is for our own benefit. Now, once again, talking about those detrimental fathers that we might have that might have, <laughs> might have beat us senseless or might have punished us severely. Uh, now, in correlation, they might have done that for their own ego. And the reality is, is that uh, we all have different personality profiles and that if we're not getting what we want from our children in that area, then uh, we might be able to, uh, our ego might be attacked and we might discipline in a very forceful manner because we feel like we have been violated in some way. Now, the most uh, heavy-handed one is is the man who, th who must be respected at all times. And that is that I don't care about anything else. All I care about is you respect me. And so any... Uh, um, anytime their kid steps out of line, it is a symbol of disrespect in their mind, and therefore they come with a heavy hand and punish severely. So we may have had fathers according to the flesh that have done that for their own benefit, for their own ego and such. Now he says that God does this for our own profit. And so if we uh, are wandering on the path, God's ego is not affected. Um, he is not uh, damaged in any way. Like we think that uh, God like somehow has these insecure emotions and that he, he is tossed to and fro by the, by the will of man. And that's just not reality. And so the discipline that he provides is for our profit. I mean, it's for our good. You know, we may, may have had fathers who have said, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, or this is for your own good. But the reality is that with God, it is true. Absolutely. 100%. It is 100% for our own personal benefit for the purpose and intention that we might be partakers of his holiness. And I would like to throw this out there is that, you know, we're not going to partake of his holiness. If uh, we are unwilling to open ourselves up to the correction and the discipline that God has for us. Now, we look at our lives and the areas that are falling apart, that are mediocre, that don't really, uh, that we're dissatisfied with. And what I can tell you, you can correlate to a lack of discipline in that area. And that is that you're not displaying a lot of self-control in that area. And so we need the discipline and the correction of God to begin to course correct inside of those areas. And that is taking our ego out of it and saying, you know what? I'm open and I am willing. Uh, speak to me, correct me so I can walk on this path of life and uh, not be distracted and not uh, go a different direction. 
So, so some fathers uh, punish us because, um, you know, they were disrespected and their ego is damaged, but that doesn't happen with God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now, the chastening for the present, no, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those that are exercised thereby. So what he's saying is that this kind of correction that we're talking about, uh, especially in the earthly and in the natural, that in no way is it a pleasant experience. Now, I don't find any sort of joy uh, being disciplined or being corrected. That's not what it's about. And so understanding that uh, at the moment, it seems very grievous. And that is if you're corrected in the way that you're behaving inside of your marriage or if you're corrected in the way that you're behaving inside of your belief system and in your faith. You're, you're corrected in the way that you're behaving inside of your financial life. Maybe you're spending way too much money. Maybe you're not living below your means. Maybe, you, maybe you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you're, you're trying to use your financial uh, uh, realm to feed your ego. Now, this is going to come across as very harsh and very rude, but if that, is, if that is the state and condition that you're in, you need to course correct because you're going down a path that is not going to lead you to life. Now, you can get very pissed off, right? And this can be very grievous to you, but if you yield to it, it's going to get you the results. Here's what we do, though. We try to avoid anything grievous. And that is anything that causes us discomfort, anything that challenges our belief system, anything that uh, strikes our ego, we have a tendency to run from and we resist. And the reality is, is that we're running from the very thing that is going to bring us life. Like I talked about in a previous episode, there is no pleasure without pain. And everything that you want is through pain. And, uh, and we avoid the discomfort and we avoid the grievousness because, you know, we don't want to face that. But the challenge and the difficulty is the path. It is through the pain, it is through the grievousness that we get to the other side. And we're not willing to walk on that path because maybe it hurts too much. Maybe we're unwilling to be honest about some of our shortcomings. And so what do we do? We bury our heads in Jesus and we, we see how good he is and we pick up all this religious talk and we go to church and we pretend. But what we do is we're building up a wall and a facade that, that, that can't be penetrated. We put on our happy face and we say, we say all the positive words, but inside we're unwilling to deal with the stuff that is producing all this nasty fruit in our lives. But we go on pretending that we're okay. And that's not the place that you want to be. So it's a, it's not a joyous experience, but if we endure the process afterwards, it will begin to yield uh, the, the produce of righteousness and holiness if we yield to the process. So Proverbs chapter 2, 1, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding. So what I want to talk about here is perceiving the word. And that is that we begin to grasp and understand what God is speaking to us. Now, if any time you would like to hear God speak, I would encourage you to open your Bible. Now, 
Uh, we are as close to God as we want to be. And God does not mean to move any closer to us. What we need to do is begin to open up his word and begin to read it and begin to uh, uh, comprehend what God might speak to you. And begin to ask yourself after you read, what is God saying to me through this? And what is the application that I can apply today so I can begin to manifest his results inside of my life? That is a powerful reality. So to perceive the words of understanding. We're finally moving forward. Now, this word perceive is to see, grasp, and understand, right? When it's talking about the word, though, it's talking about separating it mentally. And that is that we can begin to discern what God is saying, and we begin to consider um, what he is saying. Now, this is what I thoroughly believe. If you read the word, that means what it means. But the application could be far different. And that is, I can read something and you can read something. And it can tell me that I need to change uh, something in my financial life. And it can tell you that you need to change something in your marriage. And so the reality is, is that when we read, we need to understand what it means. But then go a step further and ask ourselves, what does it mean to me? And what is my application for this? After I stop reading this, what action steps do I need to take to make this applicable? Now, that is really uh, separating and concerning it. So God tells us to, to regard the word and to think about it. To think about it. But he, he says here in verse 3 of Proverbs, to receive the instruction of wisdom. So after we begin to see and understand and to separate the word mentally, what does it mean and how is it applicable to me right now today, that we begin to receive it. And if you're watching me in my video, I'm going to show you what receiving is. And it's just simply to open your arms out and to welcome it and to accept it. And you're saying, I receive, I welcome, and I accept. What does that mean? I'm open. When you receive somebody into your house, what do you do? You open the door and you allow them to come in. If you are a supervisor at work and you got an open door policy, what does that mean? It means the door is open. And so this idea of openness to instruction is having uh, that I am welcome, I'm welcoming it and I will accept it. Now, this is very hard for some people because they will not uh, they will not welcome any form of challenging to their beliefs. They will not welcome any form of uh, of criticism, positive, constructive criticism that might come to their behavior. And what that means is that they are not open. They are refusing to let wisdom come in. I've talked about this in a previous episode, but Jesus stands outside of the door and he knocks. And he is requesting entrance. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we going to welcome him in? Are we going to allow wisdom access to our hearts and to our minds? Am I going to be open to discipline and course correction? Now, this is a very foundational principle that as we go through the book of Proverbs, we're going to have to open ourselves up to be corrected so we can stay on the path of life. So where in your life, family, faith, fitness, and finances, 
are you closed? And that is, you think you got it all figured out. You think you got your marriage figured out. You think you have your faith figured out. You think you have everything figured out with your body that you need to figure out. And you think you, that you got your finances figured out. And what that means is that you, since you got it all handled, since you, you know it all, and uh, you're no longer open to any form of discipline and correction in that area. And so I would go so far to say the area that is frustrating us the most is the area that we're not open to God communicating into that area of our life so we can grow and expand. Challenge today. Look at your life. Where are you closed? Where are you not open? And ask yourself, are you going to begin to allow wisdom and instruction and Jesus to come inside? I'll see you later. Peace.